Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. You'll be blessed by the word this morning. Uh, he's a man of integrity. He's, uh, this morning he's going to talk about some things that he went through in his life that each and every one of us have gone through. And I'm here to tell you this morning, he did it with uh, integrity, he did it with wisdom, he did it with direction, understanding. The Word of God just flows out of him. So if you'd help me this morning, help me warmly welcome the man of God, Todd Bailey. Come on, Todd Bailey, share the Word of God with us. While you're standing, let's lift our hands. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you where two or three are gathered in your name. You said, I am is in the midst. And Father, we're going to let you manifest any way you want. A provider, you are Jehovah Jireh. A healer, you're Jehovah Rapha. Whatever you want. Father, we give you permission this morning to interrupt our lives. Think through our minds. Speak through our lips. Use this vessels of clay for your glory, Father. We're asking you to do something in us this morning we can't do ourselves. And Father, personally, I ask you to give me something to say in a way that when I leave and catch this plane today, that these words will still burn in their hearts because it's your words, Father. I'm asking you today, Father, that we will break up the fallow ground, mellow it out, make it smooth, pull out the dead and plant the good. And we're going to do it with perseverance and patience. And we're not going to do it and fail in the sense because we know you're the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, it's an honor to be here. I appreciate your pastors. Um, I never paid for a meal and wore it on the way out. Amen. <laughs> Somebody did ask me. They said, did you um, eat there or you carry out? I said, yes. <laughs> I've never seen tomahawk missiles look like bubble sauce. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, I've just learned to give place to the Holy Spirit. Just, you know, I, when I get up, I just kind of want to make sure. I, you know, we've learned not to give place to the devil, but I've just learned to give place to the Holy Spirit because the action produces the reaction. Amen. Thank you for this opportunity. Pastor Ty, Pastor Luann, thank you all so much for letting me come. Appreciate your friendship. Um, who would have ever known I was going to go meet a, a man of God and ended up becoming friends with a man of God and a woman of God. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. It was, it, it was wonderful. I, you know, I don't know if they told you this, but in that room, I looked around. I sat in the back, and I think you all were sitting over on the left on the couch or something. I forget where you were at. But um, I looked around, and everybody was crying in the room. It just seemed like just, I was just crying. I was like, the power of God was so strong. But you know, God has no favorite children. What he'll do for one, he'll do for the other. Amen. 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 And, um, you know, when, when you draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to you. Praise the Lord. God's not hiding from you. He's hiding for you. You've got to seek him to find him. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you've got your Bibles this morning, we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 4. Then we're going to go over to Romans chapter 12 and Mark 11. We're going to lay a foundation this morning. And uh, how many was here this morning? Praise the Lord. I do have the questions that I gave. I gave a, a list to pastor. I don't know how he's going to do it. Some of you all was taking pictures on the screen. I don't know if that's big enough. Oh, is it? Oh, it's probably bigger back here, isn't it? That's number seven. 
Oh, number seven. Okay. Go ahead and put them up so they can write them out. So when I get ready, then you can take them off when we go to the next verse. Some of you all can take pictures of that. I want to, I want to share something with you that I've been working on for almost since 2000 and um, probably late 2019-20. But how many knows it's got to be real to you before you make it real to somebody else? Amen. And uh, one thing that I know is this, is, um, you know, we preach a lot on heart faith and head faith. We talked about salvation, how you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. The Bible says, give as you purpose in your what? Heart. How many knows out of the abundance of the what? Heart. The mouth speaks. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. But one thing I've noticed, I said, Lord, why is everybody getting healed and then turn around with the same sickness three months later? And one thing I wanted to share with some people this week was this is um, Nahum 1.9 says, this affliction will not arise upon you a second time. And two things the devil is trying to do this end times, and Jesus warned us of it, was fear not and be not deceived. And deception is when you don't know it. If you think you're deceived, you're not know it. Because when you're deceived, you don't know it. And if you don't think you can be, you already are. Amen. And I just, I just want to make sure that you understand what deception is one of the biggest ways to be deceived is when you're only a hearer and you're not a doer. And the Bible says you're deceived. Uh, you're deceiving your own selves. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. I'm looking for a scripture here. I got it right here. Praise the Lord. I'm just wanting to make sure I, I follow the Lord this morning. Turn to uh, verse 18. Hallelujah. We're going to talk about forgiving from the heart today. Amen? Now, some people say, well, I've heard about forgiveness, and yeah, I praise the Lord and all this. But how many knows if you don't get the root, you'll never change the fruit? And if you, get, if you don't watch it, you'll get frustrated in your faith. It's like Mary, riding a merry-go-round. After a while, everything looks different. Then when you get off, you're right back where you started. Take two steps forward, three steps back. You just don't know why you're, you feel alone in a crowd. You don't understand why you're crying and everybody else is crying, but you're crying because you don't feel what they feel. In the presence of God, you feel dry all the time. You feel empty. You, something's changed in you. So you go out and you try to buy all these different vitamins and do these routines. And some of you try to do meditation. And some of you think, well, I just need a vacation. And some of you say, well, maybe I should go on a certain diet and do that. I'm not, I'm not against any of that. But I found out this, that all these things came after Proverbs chapter 4, where he says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the wellsprings of life. So I found out that God wants you to do things smarter instead of harder. Where his, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You don't confess it to get it to happen. You confess it because it is happening. He said he will cause all things to work together for our good. If we love God, how? Obey his word and call according to his purpose. I guarantee you right now you're going to have a testimony by the time you come back here Wednesday because when you come to God's house and take care of his business, He's at your house taking care of your business. Right. Amen. 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 So we're going to talk about forgiving from the heart today, and I just want you to have ears to hear, because it's so easy, because, you know, when I went to Bible school, I used to sit um, front row, actually, I was the third seat over, and we had 1,100 students, and a man named Kenneth Hagin would come out Monday through Friday for two straight years, nine months a year, and say, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark 11. And I felt like the Lord says, you have a choice today. You can either have ears to hear and eyes to see, or you can just go through the formality of hearing it but not listening to it. And every day I sat down, and I would sit there, and I would tune in 
because you know what? I turned all the electronical devices off, did everything, got down, got my notepad. I would let nobody distract me. Amen. I got a friend of mine that was drafted in the first round of the NFL several years ago. And he said at all the meetings that they had, he would sit on the front row. I said, you're six foot five. He goes, not my problem. He said, I get distracted when I sit in the back. If they, don't, if they can't do it, that's fine, but I'm sitting in the front. I'm not going to get distracted. Amen. I'm going to have ears to hear. Amen. Amen. Amen? So let's get into this. How many knows? I'm, Pastor Ty's going to laugh, but how many knows I preach fast? Amen? <laughs> now, did I preach as fast this morning as I did Thursday? No. It was a lot slower. You know why? Pastor Ty wasn't here. No, I'm just seeing <laughs> No. <laughs> and I got all the Bubba sauce off of me. I felt so much better. Yeah, I've never paid for a meal and wore it at the same time, amen. I love you, my friend. You know what was so funny that made me laugh is how many knows you know where Pastor Travis is. You don't have to pay somebody overtime to misunderstand what he says. Facial expressions, emotion. When he's there, he's all there. When he's at work, all work. Play. Don't bother me. Play. When he spilt that all over me, I looked down like that. I looked up and he was like, I didn't know if he was in shock or was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> then I thought the other night it was a C option. Where's my hamburger with egg on it? <laughs> All right, let's get, let's get spiritual now. No, I'm just saying, Lord, thank you, Jesus. But the path of the just is a shining light that shineth more and more into that perfect day. But the way of the wicked is as darkness and they know not at which they stumble. My son, attend to my words, incline thy ears into my sayings. How many knows faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Does it come by having heard? Amen? Amen. All right. Let them not depart from thy eyes, but keep them in the midst of thy what? Heart. That's going to be the key. For they are life unto those who find them. That's not, you didn't turn to Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18 or look up on the screen and find it. Finding it is getting the revelation, the life out of it. Amen? And health to what? All their what? Flesh. Now, God did not just come to set you free physically. He came to set you free mentally, spiritually, everywhere. He, he showed me one day, he said, I paid it in full so you could live in the fullness of what I paid for. When I said it is finished, there is nothing else you can do except to believe on what I did. Amen. Verse 23, keep your heart. Don't keep your neighbor. You know, God's not called you to be a, a, a fruit picker. He's called you to be a fruit inspector. Keep your heart. Keep your heart. We're going to see this in Luke 17, 3 in a minute. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life or the wellsprings of life. Turn over to Romans chapter 12 real quick. I like to lay about three verses out. It says here, you know, we know verse 1 says about presenting your body. Verse 2, renewing your mind. Verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me that every man among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Well, I think things different sometimes. I reverse it. it here it says, also don't think no more lowly of yourself than you ought to think. Well, if he told me I'm a king and a priest in the righteousness of God, then that's what I'm going to think and say. Amen. I'm thinking soberly according to the grace. Now let's go on. But to think soberly as God has dealt, as God has dealt, as God has dealt to every Man or person, the measure of what? Does it say anything else in your margins or below? 
No, it doesn't. Does it say anything about anger? Offenses, bad attitudes? Come on. Talk about shame. Offenses? Bitterness? Guilt? Condemnation? What does it say? The measure of what? Faith. This faith will overcome anything in your life. How did you get saved? You didn't get saved by your ability. You got saved by God's ability through your faith. Amen? You know, I, I just felt real impressed to do this. Can you put up Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10? It'll take me two and a half minutes to do this. Boy, it just dropped inside of me. I think this is going to set some people free. I was on the plane the other day. I'm gonna, this is a commercial. And I was sitting next to a lady named Rebecca. She's a 75-year-old grandmother. She said, you know, I got my grandkids up there and my kids over here. And I think this is going to set some people free. I was just sitting there. I mean, it just dropped in me. I just felt it went, whoa. And she said, uh, I said, what do, I said, uh, we found, she found out I was a minister. She said, well, I'm LDS. You know what that LDS, don't you? Latter-day Saints. I said, well, I'm not really interested in the name of your boat. I said, I want to know if you're in the right harbor. And she said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, are you born again? And I pulled out Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 on my phone. She said, well, I, yeah, I'm born again, but I'm still working for it. I said, well, well, let me ask you a question. If he said it is finished, then why are you trying to do more than what needs to be done? You're telling me he didn't do enough job, a good enough job. So I said, let me read this to you. For by grace. How are you saved? She said, by grace. I said, how? Through faith. I said, whose faith? Mine. I said, okay. And it's not of yourself, is it? No, but it's your faith. She said, yeah. I said, it's the what? Gift of God. I said, so why are you earning something that's free? And Jesus already paid for it. I said, but right here it says it's not by works. You're telling me you have to earn your salvation and you're hoping to do enough good works that one day he finds you acceptable. She, and I said, what does it say? Not of works, lest any man should boast. I said, well, then what does it say in verse 10? It sounds like a contradiction. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I said, one translation says, for it's by, it's, we are his workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works which he preordained that we should walk in them, living the good life. I said, so why are you trying to finish what he said it was already finished? If you and your grandkids and your, 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 your kids went and did a job and they said, okay, y'all did a great job, you're finished here, here's your check. And he said, no, we're going to stay around and do some more stuff. He said, no, it's done. Now, why are you doing what, would you do something like that? No, she said, it's finished. I said, well, let me ask you something. How was you saved? She said, by grace. I said, that's God's ability. Can you save yourself by your ability? No. I said, how do you save yourself? She said, faith. I said, that's confidence and trust in his ability. The moment you get up and you realize that you don't have the ability to save yourself, but you just need faith and trust in that ability. I said, there's nothing you can do to earn that thing. But the moment you get born again, I said, it was by his ability or grace that saved you through your faith. But the moment you get born again, that grace will empower you to do any work that you've been called by him to do upon this earth. She looked at me, 75 years old, LDS. You know what she said when I said that to her and showed her? She went, I'm born again. I said, exactly. See, we, 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 complicate, we complicate the gospel. But that was for somebody in here. I, don't, I knew it dropped down. Amen. Now let's go on here. Let's go over to Mark 11 real quick and we'll get right into this. Because I know some of y'all want to eat leftovers today. Mark 11. I worked food service. We never ran out of food on Saturday night, so people who got out of church early ate leftovers. 
And Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Praise God. Therefore I say unto you, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Isn't that exciting? You know, I don't know about you, but I grew up, I was born in 1961, and we had a thing called Saturday morning cartoon. It was a five-hour window. If you missed it, guess what? You had to wait a whole another week. We didn't have the cartoon network. We didn't have the cartoon channel. We didn't have anything to record or devo, whatever it's called. You know, I love to hear the monkeys. Even no matter, here we come. Are you hearing what I say? Bullwinkle, Rocky, HR Puff and stuff. Come on, all these. Adam Ant, Amen. But there was one show that I liked so much, and actually to this day, it is helping me preach my messages, believe it or not. It was called Conjunction Junction. Now, the young kids are sitting here Googling it right now. They had a caboose, they had an engine, they had middle cars in it. One of the middle cars had a word, I still remember to this day, is and, A-N-D. How many knows you can't have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich unless you have peanut butter and Jelly. jelly? You can have three loaves of bread, two jars of peanut butter. You can make a really nice, big, tall, really good-looking, delicious peanut butter sandwich, but it will still never be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Well, when I was reading the Scriptures, I found out that we were preaching a lot of the peanut butter, but we were thinking it was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but we never added the jelly to it. Let's Let's read this again. Verse 24. Therefore I say unto you that whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Verse 25. What's the first word? Amen. Conjunction, junction. When I see an and, I think of conjunction, junction. You know what else I think about? I'm about ready to add some jelly to my peanut butter. Because if you really want the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that God has for you, then you're going to have to add the jelly and not just live off the peanut butter and then blame somebody because the jelly was never applied. Now watch this. Now, I'm getting down on some people's levels here, amen? People are like, I was going to go eat a hamburger, but I'm going to go eat a peanut butter jelly. <laughs> and when you stand praying, forgive. In other words, before you even put up the knife with the peanut butter probably still on it, go over there and dip it into the jelly. And what's the jelly here? Forgive. Hebrews 6.12 says, through faith and patience. You shall inherit the promises of God. See, that's the peanut butter and jelly right there. Amen. Now, let's go on here. We're talking about forgiveness. And if you have ought against any, that your Father also in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, there's a word in here. I looked it up, and it said ought. And I started finding out it means if you hold anything against anyone or you have anger, people say, well, I have an anger problem, and you know, I just can't help it. You know, my dad had it and my grandmother had it and all that. I said, you're just lying straight from hell. I could give you $100 a day not to get angry and you'll find some way to make 100 bucks by not getting angry. There's people who say, well, pardon my French. No, you just cuss. That's the bottom line. It's a decision that you make. Amen? Come on. <laughs> Y'all so fun. It means grudge or anybody that wronged you. So when I sit there and I don't think my forget, uh, if 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 I don't think I'm in forgiveness, then I got to get my what I call my ought spray out. Because you know why? You ought not have any oughts. You got to have some type of ought remover. 
So I started getting in Scripture and find out where's the ought remover because if I ought not have anything against anyone, then I ought not have anything against anybody. So I started unlearning to go back to the root of the problem or the foundation to find and rebuild stuff. Amen? You can build a second floor into something that doesn't have a foundation on the first floor, but that still ain't going to make it steady. You've got to go back to the foundation and establish it. Now let's go on here real quick. He said here, um, let's see. I wrote this down. Number one, unforgiveness is unbelief. When I was doing the study on unbelief, I found out when you have unforgiveness, you literally have a degree of unbelief in your life. Why? Because God's a fair judge and you're taking God's job. Forgiving someone is not saying that they did what is they did right, but it is, in other words, setting you free. Write this down if you want. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Yeah, but Lord, you don't know what they did to me. Well, apparently you don't know what they did to me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Number three, it says all forgiveness starts with devaluing a person. How many knows Jesus so loved, God so loved the world that he gave? He knew what you were going to do. He seen down through time and still died for you on a cross. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Jesus came and he was the word made flesh and we beheld the glory. Over here it says the first Adam caused us to fall short of the glory, but the second Adam from heaven came down so we could behold the glory. So in other words, when you get born again, you go from one bloodline into another bloodline. Come on. So God's wanting not just to do something in you, but through you and out of you for the people in your life. Amen? Okay, let's go on here. So basically, if you don't forgive somebody, then basically what you're doing is you're taking God's job. He said this, if you don't forgive somebody from the heart and do what I say, I'll show you what you're like. You're like a man who built his house upon the rock and when the storms come, it couldn't shake it. But if you don't, you're going to build it up on the sand. And when the storm does come, you're not even going to be standing anymore because you're not doing what I'm saying. What did he say? You can read it in Luke chapter 6, verse 45 through 49. He says, those who hear my sayings and do them, I'll show you what you're like. Go back to verse 27. And I say unto you who hear, and he goes right through it. Judge not, you will not be judged. Condemn not, you will not be condemned. All the way through that, in the middle of that, he says, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom? Because why? God's not mocked whatever man soweth, you shall reap. See, you can either fall upon the word and be broken, or the word will fall upon you and grind you to powder. He said, there's certain things that belong to me. He told me. He said, there's certain things that belong to me that don't belong to you. So you have a choice. You can either fall upon the word and be broken, or you, the word will fall upon you and grind you to powder. He said, the earth and the fullness thereof is mine. You come in this world naked, you'll leave naked. It, you're not going to have it. I'm giving you stewardship over certain things. Well, they shouldn't have a million-dollar house. You know why you say that? Because you don't have it. That's right. I don't think these athletes should make $20 million a year. You know why? Because I don't make $20 million a year. Because if somebody offers you $20 million a year, you go, yeah, what do I do? Nothing. You pack, you, you'd say, just make a direct deposit. Amen? So God is trying to show you that a lot of times you're drinking poison hoping the other person dies. He's trying, to, he's trying to change you from the inside out. 
You can't change anybody else, but you can change you. And there's times it was like the Lord would say, I would really appreciate it if you just mind your own business and take care of your own self. Amen? Now let's get into this. Are you all ready? You say, were we just starting? No, I'm just trying to get y'all's attention. Kenneth Hagin said this, quote, I found this quote. I know from experience of more than 50 years of ministry and talking with many thousands of people through the years on a one-on-one basis that unforgiveness is the main reason why people's faith doesn't work. And unforgiveness is the main reason why people fail to receive their healing. He wrote that in love, the way to victory. But when I was reading through the scriptures, I found out that every time he would forgive us of our sins, he would heal our sicknesses at the same time. Psalms 103.3 says, Who forgiveth every one of your iniquities and who healeth every disease, all, each of your disease. Some people say, well, I'm living in unforgiveness. I mean forgiveness. I forgive that person. God knows my heart. I forgive them a long time ago. All right, let's read seven questions and see if anything pops up. If they do, you need to write their name down and write it and get it and start calling them out by name. It's tough. It's tough. took me two months. But one day I said it. There was a gentleman that I was listening to one day. He started his ministry when he's 20-some years old. He just retired at 60-some years old and turned it over and everything. But he said, when I first started, he said, it was one elder in my church that tried to get me out. And he told me probably, he said, you won't be here for another year. He would fall asleep in his services on purpose to embarrass him. And he said, I'm going to just tell you from the pulpit. At that time, I wasn't really mature, but if he would have died, I would have had a party. He said, I had a little torture chamber in my head that I would put him in about four times a day, and I would torture him, and it felt good. I'm going to be honest with you. He said, I didn't care if he died and went to heaven. I didn't like him. And you know what happened? He said he was sitting there one day, and the Lord said, pray for him. He said, I'm not praying for him. Next day, pray for him. No. Pray for him. No. Week after week. Pray for him. No. How many knows it's so wonderful that God is tender, hearted, and long mercies? His mercies are, he said, forgive, he said, he, he, he said, forgive him week after week. No. Finally, one day he said, okay, I'll forgive him, but I'll have my fingers crossed and I won't mean it. <laughs> and the Lord said, forgive him. He started praying for him. He said the 10th day he had a vision. He said it was an open vision. He said, I've seen this. He said, I've seen a 10 or 12-year-old boy in the middle of a field. i seen his face. He didn't see me, but i seen his face, and his face was traumatized. And I said, who is that, Lord? He said, that's the man you're praying for. He says, you know what he did to you, but I know what was done to him. I need you to pray for him. He said, everything I had against that man, the hatred, the, everything, the offense, everything, anger left. Every time I heard his name from then on, I wanted to bless him. He said, because for 10 days, I prayed for him like I prayed for myself. I blessed his wife like I blessed my wife. I prayed for his kids like I prayed for my kids. And I did it from my heart. I did it. Even if I didn't feel it, I kept saying it because forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a decision, an act of your will. He began to forgive and forgive and forgive because when you give place to the Holy Spirit, see, how many remembers what I said in camp meeting? An action produces a reaction. We're trying to receive something we're not asking for. We're trying to seek something, I mean, find something we're not seeking after. We're wanting doors to open that we don't even knock on. We're wanting to resist the devil and him flee from us, but we won't submit ourselves unto God. See, we're always cautious about not giving place to the devil, but we won't give place to the Holy Spirit. 
Whatever you yield to, you become filled with. I want to be like a sponge. I want to be so saturated with the love of God and his word that whoever I come up against or come against me and we make an impact or touch, I will leave an impression of the substance I have. And the more filled you are with something, the less resistance it takes for an outside force to cause a release of the substance that you contain. I believe I can get more people. I said, Lord, let me have more people saved, healed, and delivered accidentally than I, and I did it on purpose when I stand before you. When I go up to people, I walk into everything. I, I like to touch people on the shoulder. Sometimes I go, no, here, you go first. I believe power of God went right into him. I believe this cane might not. It just, are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't need to know what might be wrong with him. I just need to know what's right with me. I need to be filled to overflowing. I got to realize that I'm not living in a situation to where I'm living to the conformity of this world and where it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus said, you've heard it's been said, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. And pray for those who despisefully use you. See, we can, we can live either under the law or we can live under the law of liberty to where whom the sun sets free is free indeed. God is wanting to change you from the inside out, but you can't sit there and say, well, I've just been hurt and all this and this. I don't care what you think and neither does God. He said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word won't. If you want to change the fruit, change the root. Keep your heart with all diligence. Set a guard about your tongue. You have a personal responsibility, amen? All right, let's get into this real quick. Number, here's seven things. Yeah, I forgive people. I don't have nothing against them. Here we go. We'll find out. Getting the Brillo pad, the magic erasers out. And the shout. You have an imaginary conversation in your mind with someone. Number two, you feel the need to slander someone to other people. Three, you replay a conversation or experience over and over in your mind. Four, you're happy when someone else fails. Five, you feel anger every time, anytime, or every time you hear a particular person's name. Six, you don't behave naturally around a person. And seven, you complain often. You know one phrase I'm trying to get out of my life? Well, I'm not saying anything bad about them and... God knows my heart. And the Lord said, yeah, I know your heart. And, and I did, like yesterday, I was talking to him, and I said one little phrase. And I said, nope, 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 nope. Little fox can spoil the vineyard of my love. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. You ever seen it? Take up the little foxes about ready to spoil the vineyard of our love, for our vineyards are in blossoms. Well, what comes right before blossoms? I mean, after blossoms? Fruit. A fruit is a result of an inward action. You shall know them by their results. John, in Divine Dictionary of Old and New Testament words, especially in the Gospel of John, he said, fruits are visible expressions of power that work inwardly and invisibly of the character of the power producing it. He says, you should know them by their fruit. If you're not walking in love and you truly are forgiving from your heart, then you've developed a form of godliness because you're denying the very power thereof. It's not that you don't believe it. You're not allowing it to do what you are doing. You're trying to do God's job. You're not the judge. He said, there's certain things that belong to me, the earth and the fullness thereof. He said, uh, what was the other one? The tithe, and he said, vengeance. He said, those are belong to me. Don't, don't you touch them. If you do, you'll be judged with what judgment you judge. 
He says, so therefore, don't have a form of godliness to where you go around bear artificial fruit. You have a form of something. You're going through the motions. You have a churchianity instead of a Christianity. You have a religion instead of a relationship. You don't know why you're alone in a crowd. You don't know why you don't have peace when you go to bed. you got to take something to go to bed. And then when you get up, you got to have something to get you up for the rest of the day. But before that, you never needed any of that. Why? Because it all starts in the heart. you got to go back and do some weeds. Don't spray them and kill them. Pull them up and cast them into the seed. Hebrews 12, 15. He said, look after each other so that not one of you will fail to find God's best blessing. Watch out that no bitterness take root among you, for as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. Ephesians chapter 4 says that we all have a supply to, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. You got to do your part. If you need help, I'll come and bear your burden. I'll pick you up. I'll come over and put my arm around with you. I'll agree with you in prayer. But when it comes down to it, it's your decision. You got to stay in your lane. You got to press towards your mark. You got to put your hands to your plow. Come on. We're all sitting there looking at other people and then justifying our lives. You can't justify yourself by somebody else's actions. You only come to the word of God and do what he says because it's nothing but the blood of Jesus that will wash you white as snow. We can sing all day long that he rose from the grave, but most of us won't get out of bed. Get up early. Pray a little bit. Start your day out right. Come on, get your face in the book. Did y'all catch that? Get your face in the book. Come on, I'm not saying things are wrong. You know, I like the, man, Miss Luann gave some, I don't know what they were. They were so good. There were three of them. Chocolate, red velvet, and vanilla. I only ate one. I don't know. What were they called? Buck cakes. Huh? Buck cakes. Uh, cakes. I tell you what, I am well-rounded in the ministry now. Amen? <laughs> I am full gospel. I'm on the verge of having a furniture syndrome where my chest is dropping to my drawers. Amen? <laughs> Those things were so good. I had to get rid of them. I just said, oh, I, I, I sowed them into good seed. <laughs> so look at this. Look after each other. No one will you find, fail to find God's best blessing. We're called to be fruit inspectors, not fruit pickers. What's this saying? I have a 15-year-old. I teach him a lot of stuff about cooking and different things like that. And one thing I've taught him is like washing clothes. I said, Evan, always remember this. Hot water, white clothes. Good. He likes to wear all these, you know, Russell Athletic, Nike shirts. I mean, I mean, we're talking sweatshirts. He likes the sweatshirts. In the winter, long sleeve sweatshirts. He's got these short sweatshirts in the summer and long sweatshirts in the winter. But sometimes he'll get a blue one or a red one. And I said, always remember, hot water, white clothes, good. Do not put a red sweatshirt, hot water, white clothes, bad. He goes, why? I said, because you'll be the only member of the Mary Kay Club as a guy in high school. Because you will wear these for at least a month. I ain't going to buy 
$150 worth of stuff, and you run it by just putting a red sweatshirt. Well, guess what? If you have unforgiveness or bitterness or an offense or whatever, and you go around a bunch of people that are in hot water with white, that are, you know, white clothes, you're going to be the red sweatshirt. That's what he said here. Turn to Luke 17, 3 real quick. Luke chapter 17, we're going to go to the first six verses. This is so good. This, the Word of God is so... Praise the Lord. Verse 1, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, It is impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanging around his neck and he'd be cast in the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Now, I thought the little ones was always a three- or four-year-old. But this is actually talking about being a co-conspirator with somebody. Tell them that unforgiveness is okay, or you know what? God understands. Now, listen to what it says when you look at it. And Jesus said to his disciples, temptations, that is, snares, traps set to entice us in, are sure to come. They're called little foxes. The little foxes are going to come in and spoil the vineyard of your love. What's that word, spoil? Wine tightly like a rope. How many knows in Texas there's a difference between a $100 garden hose and a $20 garden hose? You can turn something on, it doesn't mean nothing's coming out. A friend of mine that I grew up across, well, across the street, he moved again to Washington, but for years he lived in the wine area of California, close to it. And he was explaining to me that the vine always had to have something in it, or it would collapse and the fruit would wither right on the vine. And I started thinking about that. He said, continue in my word. Continue listening. All this, we got to abide in him and he'll abide in us. It's not that God forsakes us, it's we forsake him. He says, you got to draw nigh to me, then I'll draw nigh to you. Amen? So when I was getting into this, that world spoil means to wind tightly like a rope. The devil comes in with deception. Well, deception is not when you know it. When you're deceived, you don't know it. If you don't think you can be, you already are. So what the devil does is he'll come in and bring a little fox. Why? Because he sees your blossoms and he knows that fruit, even if you die, will remain. See, we're always trying to figure out God. We can count the apples in the seed, but only God can count the seeds, uh, the, uh, the seeds in the apple. I mean, we count the seeds in the apple, but only God can count the apples in the seed. Amen. 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 Now, let's go on here. He said, but woe to him through whom they may come. You don't want to be a conspiracy or, or, or an accomplice when it comes to unforgiveness. You better speak the truth in love. You better stop it right then. David said, I'm not going to put anything in front of my eyes that's not pleasing to him. Come on. If, it, if somebody gets on an elevator and they start God blanking this and God blanking that, I have equal opportunity. I can God bless it. Amen. Well, who do you think you are? How much time you got? A lot of people get off on the floor they don't punch. <laughs> now, I'm just being honest with you. I get on airplanes. I'm loud anyway. I'll start sharing the gospel with somebody. First thing I know, I got people turning around, looking around, looking over at me. I got my audience. They can't kick you off. Amen. They can shove you up to first class, which would be better. <laughs> I always get in the back of the plane. People say, why are you sitting in the back? I said, well, I've never seen a plane back into a mountain. <laughs> Plus, I got 25 rows of airbags in front of me. Amen. <laughs> I do. I tell people that. Why don't you sit up front, man? You get on the plane first. I said, I got all these airbags in front of me. 
And besides, if you really look at it, the plane lands in the back first, so I'm the first to arrive. They said, well, I never thought of that. I said, well, you got to use this side of the brain every once in a while, amen? I like to talk to pilots when I get on the plane because a lot of people are not getting on the plane. I said, hey, uh, I said, do me a favor. He said, what? I said, I'm really tired today. Don't leave your microphone on accidentally. He said, what do you mean? I said, last thing I want to hear at 35,000 feet is, uh-oh. <laughs> They'll start telling you a story. He said, let me tell you what we do to get the passengers. He said, my, uh, you know that center thing right there at the console? I said, yeah. He said, we got one guy that flies with us. He's one of the co-pilots or something. He puts a book to where when they walk in and they look down, they see the cover and they can read it. You know what it's called? Flying for Dummies. <laughs> oh, we have so much fun on planes. All right, I need to hurry up because I know some of you will get spiritual and go eat. It would better, watch this now, it would be more profitable for a millstone was hung around his neck and hurled into the sea. Why does it keep talking about sea all the time? How many knows a lot of things in the natural ground does not grow in the sea? How many knows if you can't drink as a human salt water? How many knows you can't do your plants with salt water? How many knows you can't water your crops with salt water? Why? Because it's not that nature. That's why he's all saying, listen, I don't want it in your heart. I want it somewhere it can never grow back and come back. But the next thing in verse 3 is what I want to get across to you. Watch this. Take heed to yourself. Just mind your own business. Plow your own garden. Keep your own heart. Watch your own mouth. Renew your own mind. Don't give a piece. People say, well, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. I, I've, I've told people, I said, I wouldn't do it. They said, why? I said, if you only knew how little of mind you have left, you wouldn't give any of it away. Amen. <laughs> and if it, and if he trespasses against you seven times in the day, and seven times in the day, turn again and say, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now, two years ago, I did a study on repentance. The more I did it, the more I realized I didn't know what repentance was, true godly repentance. Number one, one of the main surveys said the number one answer for Christians defining repentance was remorse. They said remorse has nothing to do with repentance. They said people say, well, if I say I'm sorry or I cry or I feel bad, it has nothing to do with repentance. It might be an emotional response or attribute, but what, what repentance is, is like your GPS, is when you turn, is when you do a 180. You choose to think different, act different, and talk different. You go a different way. You recalculate or you reroute. That's true Repentance. He said here, if he does it seven times in the day and turns you to seven times in the day, he said, forgiving. Guess what his disciples did? The disciples ignored the real problem, said, well, increase our faith. He said, Jesus in verse 6 said, it's not a faith issue, it's a heart issue. If you had faith as the size of a mustard seed, you could say unto this mountain, be thou removed. He said, it's a heart issue, and you've got to keep your heart with all diligence because true forgiveness comes from the heart. Amen? Amen. Let's get into this a little bit more. Are y'all getting okay? So the word forgive, I, I looked it up, and I know some of you all used to watch Disney, and some, some parents told me they watched that, what that, what's that one about the girl with ice and all that? I forgot what it's called. That's what the word means, let it go. People say, well, how do I forgive them? Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah, but you don't, let it go. You don't, you, you, don't, you don't know what they did to me. Let it go. Now, I'm not saying you can't defend yourself, do something legal, or if you're in danger, do something like this. But Brother Hagin says you can love people, for, you can forgive them and still love them from a distance. But let it go. 
Let it go. Don't let it have any place in your life. Don't give the enemy. So I looked this up, and, and I thought this was interesting. Uh, Jesus was using the sycamore tree, or how do you all say it in Texas? Sycamore tree to symbolize. He has a sycamore tree, and he's sick of it. Amen? <laughs> Jesus used the sycamore tree to symbolize the detrimental effects of unforgiveness. Now, this morning, I wasn't able to go into this. But there was five things I noticed about the sycamore tree or sycamore tree. This tree had the deepest root system in the Middle East. You could cut it to its base, and it still didn't mean it would not grow back again. How does that apply to unforgiveness? Well, bitterness has one of the deepest root systems in our hearts. That's that's why it says about the root of bitterness. Number two is this, this tree grew best in arid and dry conditions where they have no water. They said people in unforgiveness usually um, feel they can be in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and still feel empty and dry. Number three is this tree's uh, wood was the preferred wood to build caskets in the Middle East and Egypt. They said unforgiveness will actually kill you and take you all the way to your grave. Number four, this tree fig or, or fruit looked much like the fig tree's fruit. The fig tree fruit was sweet, very expensive, eaten by the wealthy, but the sycamore tree fruit was very bitter and only could be eaten by the poor and cheap and it only could be eaten periodically over a period of time. They said unforgiveness, it will cause you to have, your life will become sour and periodically things will just keep resurfacing and resurfacing and resurfacing and resurfacing and it will actually keep you poor in your soul relationships and your friendships. Number five, this tree was not naturally pollinated. It was only pollinated when a wasp stuck its stinger into the fruit. And it says, if you remain in unforgiveness, the devil will use people or he will even use himself to sting you over and over in your life until you basically have a hard heart or you become so callous you have no understanding about what's good or bad anymore. So how do you get this unforgiveness out of your head into your heart? Hebrew, let me just do this. Uh, can you put up Ephesians chapter 4, please, verse 31 and 32? It says this, Let all bitterness and indignation, wrath, passion, rage, bad temper. Don't tell me you got a bad temper because it runs in your family. Then you need to do something different because when you got born again, you're under a different bloodline. Amen? you you got to choose to do it. Amen. Now let's go on here real quick. It says, in quarreling, brawling, clamor, uh, contentiousness, slander, evil speaking. It says, abusive and blasphemous language. That's just cussing. You don't even know French, so quit saying it. Be banished from you. Be banished from you with all malice, spite, and ill will, or baseness of any kind. There's the peanut butter. What's the next word? And, conjunction, junction. What are we about ready to do? We're going to find out what the jelly is. And become. He didn't say act away. He said become this way. I don't want you to act holy. I want you to be holy. I don't, I don't want you to act like a doer. I want you to be a doer. I don't want you to act steadfast. I want you to be steadfast. Don't go through the motions. Let it become who you are. The devil's out trying to steal your identity, and God is saying this is who you are. You look a lot better in Christ than you do out of Christ. He said, so therefore, become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, lovinghearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as Christ, God in Christ forgave you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 through 15, it's the Lord's Prayer. We won't read it, but there's only one thing mentioned twice in the Lord's Prayer. You know what it is? Forgiveness. 
So if you begin to say into this sycamine tree, the sycamine tree is basically your unforgiveness, your bitterness, your hurt, your offense, whatever's causing you anger, you can come up here and get prayed for anger and be completely set free with it because God honors the prayer of faith. But when you go back, your merry-go-round will come right back around because you can cut your whatever it is in your heart down to the stub to where you don't see nothing again. But I'm telling you something. If you start talking it again, you're going to water that seed that's in your heart, the soil, and it's going to come back up, and it's going to do it. And all of a sudden, you're back up here three weeks later getting the same thing prayed for. And all you're doing is this. You're being discipled, but you're not going out and making disciples. Jesus said, listen, you only got one shot at this life. Don't get 90 and look back and say what if because what they did to you does not compare to what I did for you. He showed me one day, he said, a lot of people see their view of me on the cross, but very few people see my view from the cross. I need you to forgive them because you don't want no one to go to hell. And you might be the only person that's keeping them from hell. But Lord, do you know what they did to me? Yes, but you don't know what they did to me. And I went ahead and sent my son and he died for them. You can quote me 1 Corinthians 13, but I want you to see you as a living epistle. I want you to be read by all men. It's easy to learn to witness. Go out and tell people who you are and what you got and where you go to church. But it's another thing when you stand up and you become a witness and they start telling you, even your enemies start telling you who you are and what you got and they follow you to church. Why? Because it's not you that liveth anymore, but it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you're letting your light shine. You're not gonna just shine it in the corner so those in the corner of your private life can see it. You're not going to just put it on the table. All those around you and your family can see it. No, when you go through the hardest hell of your life, you're going to raise your thing up. You don't care if it's politically correct. It doesn't matter what anybody says. You're going to hoist it as far as you can up. And when you walk through the darkness, you're going to say, look, all other ground is nothing but sinking sand. But upon this solid rock, I'm going to stand. I'm going to let my light shine. I don't care what popular opinion is. I don't care what the mandates are. I don't care what the regulations is. All I know is this. Those who come to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder. And if my ways please him, he'll make my enemies to be a peace with me. I'm going to hoist it up so high that when I come out of my hell, when I get to heaven, you say, you don't even know me, but I watched you. You forgave when no one should have forgave. You let your light shine when no one said they should let their light shine. I'm in heaven today because you hoisted your light. You hold it up so high, you didn't allow yourself to compromise. Compromise is accepting what you don't believe because you refuse to fight for what you do believe. We've got to stand up and learn to say no without feeling guilty about it. People come up and they go, what do you mean no? I said it's under the letter N in the dictionary. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I can't answer for you. If you stumble, I'll stop. I'll take my hands off my plow. I'll get out of my lane. I'll come up and bear your burden. I'll lift you up. I'll dust you off. I'll pray with you. I'll keep in touch with you. But I'm going to say, this is your plow. This is your lane. That's your expected end. I got to run my race. You run your race. And I'll see you at the end. 
When I go through airports, people are sitting there going, oh, blah, 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 blah. They're complaining, 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 and complaining. And I just one day thought, man, one day they said, why are you so calm? I said, I learned a thing about life in airports. They said, what? I said, if you praise, you'll be raised. But if you complain, you will remain. <laughs> one lady was sitting there getting chewed out by a customer in line. And she said, sir, I understand. I apologize. Just giving her the lowdown, just basting her. And got up and he stomped off. Next guy walked up. She said, how may I help you today? He said, well, first of all, I just want to let you know how impressed I am, how calm you are and how you just kept your cool and you remain professional and you didn't even retaliate. What did you do? What's your secret? She says, real simple. He's going to Pittsburgh. I just sent his bags to Seattle. <laughs> I was on a plane, I'll just tell you this. There's certain things that just like a burr in a saddle, man. It just, later I'm like, God, forgive me for saying that. I was on a commuter flight between Charlotte and Lynchburg about 2017. We were flying along and all of a sudden smoke filled the cockpit. I'm in row five or six. There's a guy sitting up in about three. No, I was in about six or seven. He's in row three, two seaters. Two on this side, about eight rows, two on this side. Maybe about... 10 rows, 35, 40 seats. Smoke filled the cockpit, came on, said, hey, ladies and gentlemen, he said, we're going to have to land really fast, so don't panic. They went over and they put their straps on, and I mean that pilot started swirling like this, going down, and he was looking for, there was a runway down there. I'm telling you, he was going like this. I, you can see the fire trucks come out and the police car. And some guy on the third row sat up there and said, I hope we get some compensation for this. <laughs> if I was sitting next to him, I'd have laid hands on him suddenly. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I would So I, I'm loud. I said, yeah, you get some compensation. You get to live another day. Yes. People say, well, my life is tough. I'm going through a lot. Well, thank God you're going through the valley of the shadow of death and you're not complaining and build a condo with a timeshare on there and you visit it about every three months and sit there and have your pity party sitting there in your condo on the side of whatever the valley of the shadow of death when Jesus said, I went before you. I conquered death for you. I am your shepherd you shall not want. I bless you when you're coming and going. I bless you in the city and the field. I'll bless you in every way and all that, but I don't need you to sit there and complain and take a 40-year trip when it should take you about two and a half weeks. So you got a choice right now. Pull your own bootstraps up, make your own decision, act like a grown-up and quit having these pity parties and get up and get going and keep your heart right. And the first person you need to do is forgive yourself for being a jerk and go and forgive some other people. And if they're dead, ask God to give you the grace so you can run your race. Come on, I'm not mad. I just don't have lips. <laughs> Look at Luke 17, 3. Y'all get anything out of this? I don't even know what time I got up. Praise the Lord. He said, if thou shall say, if thou shall say, if thou shall say, saying to what? Your unforgiveness, your bitterness, your offense, your grudge, 
Whatever ought you have, you ought not to get it. So get it out there and begin to say, no, I'm not going to allow you to stay in the soil of my heart. I'm going to cast you out into the sea or in an area that you can never come back and grow again in my heart. I'm going to do it. And people say, well, how long? Until it's in the sea. Until it's in the sea. Old Testament, they called them giants. New Testament, they call them mountains. Either way, you got to speak to it. Amen? When you begin to talk to yourself, the Holy Ghost will show up. But instead of talking to yourself, a lot of people want to hear themselves talk. You say, well, I have a reason I'm the way I am. No, you might have a reason you're the way you are, but you don't have an excuse to stay that way. I wrote this down for me. This is my reminder. Todd, you released him of this offense. This little fox has suffered wrong. Now it's dismissed, and it's been forever sent out and cast into the sea. When you do this, Todd, you have given up the right to bring that offense, that little fox suffered wrong, from your past and rehearse it and give it in an audience. Do not let the devil or anyone else live rent-free in your mind, Todd. You forgave that person, so you forfeit, you forgave that person. Now you have forfeited that right to hold unforgiveness against him. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, guess what? He said, where's your offenders? Jesus never brought her past up. So where's your offenders? He said, I have none, Lord. He said, neither do I offend you. Watch this. Recalculate, repent. Said, go and sin no more. The only one qualified to throw a stone that day didn't. The only one qualified didn't throw a stone. So who am I to judge another person? If you're serving the Lord, the Bible says, don't judge another man's servant. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can, you, you, the devil will give you a thousand reasons to why you can justify, why you can blame somebody else for why you don't do what you do. But you only have a choice. It's your choice. Listen, people can ruin your reputation. Boy, if there's one thing I learned in the last three years is this. With people that, you know, I'm going to tell you, don't put too much expectation on certain people. Always put your expectation. Psalm 62, verse 5 through 8. My expectation is up on him, and him only will I trust. You can trust people and have, you know, but you know what I found out? He's my source. He will never leave me or forsake me. But I'm telling you something, you'll go out and you'll start blaming everybody else and you'll do this and all of a sudden you get your attention off the vertical relationship back onto the horizontal relationship. God is wanting to set you free because you only got one shot at life. But here's the problem though. The, The woman that was caught in adultery, she had to make a decision to go. So why am I able to judge another man's servant? Because I remember, I know I keep bringing Brother Hagin up, but I sat under him for so long. And a friend of mine that knew Brother Hagin really well, spoke at his camp meetings, he, he said, Brother Hagin, he said, you know that person has done you wrong. Why don't you say anything about them? He said, well, you know, they may have asked for forgiveness since then, and I would be judging an innocent man. And he said, well, can't you say anything about bad about the devil at least? He goes, well, he is a persistent cuss. <laughs> Are y'all hear what I'm saying? I, I can't judge you. I'm a fruit inspector, not a fruit picker. Listen, don't be the red sweatshirt in hot water with white clothes. Okay, right. hey, let me hurry up here. The biggest person you need to forgive is you. Why? Because you're the one that's carrying the shame, yeah. the guilt, the condemnation. You're walking around defeated and you're wondering why you can't be free. You take two steps forward, go three steps back. You don't know why. You say, well, maybe it's just the way I was raised. Come on. Everything is in perspective. My dad lost his legs when I was um, seven years old. And about when I, we were about nine, he went back to work 16 days later with no legs. 
He said, well, I don't have to drive. I can get somebody to drive me. I was like, my Lord. I was in the car with him. He got our official legs, drove. He said, I'm going to build my business bigger. I'm going to do more than I've ever done, and I'm going to go forward, basically. I'm nine or ten years old. We're sitting in a little alley. I was at my nephew's house the other day on Clark Street. And I looked up, and I seen that little alley, and I had a flashback all the way to 1970. My dad had his accident in 1968. I looked over, and I remember we were about ready to pull out, and he bought himself a Cadillac every June for his birthday. Just walked in, dropped the keys off, grabbed it, and left. My brother said, I don't know. He's got a special deal with GM. He said, that's all he does. Sign paper. He walks out. I said, why does he do it? He said, because he earned it. He can do anything he wants with his money. I had older brothers, a lot older brothers. I'm sitting there complaining as a nine-year-old about my feet hurting. I'll never forget it. My dad looked over at me real gently. He said, son, always remember, when your feet hurt, it's a good thing. Nine years old, I got perspective in my life. You think you're going through hell right now? Go look at somebody else that's come out of it. Read about the kid that, was set, that lived in a barrel for years. He desecrated through the bottom of the barrel. He grew in the barrel. They fed him through the top of the barrel. Finally, somebody rescued him after a few years. His body had grown to where it grew in a shape. It showed him in a wheelchair as an adult, had a family, had his kids going down a path. He's in the wheelchair. And they said, this man has truly forgiven everyone of everything. And I thought, perspective. Don't let what you can't do interfere with what you can do. Amen. Can you put up, uh, uh, can I have about five, five, six more minutes? Am I going long? Huh? Oh, okay. I thought you was thinking about Bubba's or something. <laughs> can, can you put up Hebrews 4.15? I thought she was in a sugar coma. Did you eat both of those things I gave you? Buck cakes? Hebrews 4. Is that what they're called? Buck? Oh, an N? It had a lot more than an N in it. About 800 calories of fat and... Sugar. Usually I can discipline myself, eat half up, put the other half up. Lord, no. If I had fingernail polish, I would have licked the fingernail polish on my finger. <laughs> For we do not have a high priest who cannot touch with the feelings of our infirmities, but in all points tempted as we are, yet without sinning. There's your perspective right there. Go over to John chapter 15, verse 13 through 17. I'm almost done here. I hope you all gotten something out of this today. Okay, watch this. For, okay. Is that John 15, 13? Okay. John 15, 13 through 17. Let me do it real quick. All right. Greater love is no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Look at verse 14. You are my friends if, if you do whatever I command you. Who else did he call friend in the Bible? Abraham. Henceforth I call you not servants, for a servant knoweth not what his Lord doth, but I've called you friends. For all things I've heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Verse 16. We need to hurry. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you. You should go forth and bring forth what? Visible expressions of power, and that your visible expressions of power should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Verse 17. These things have I commanded you that you love one another. Go over to Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 44, and then I can probably take it from there, but you can put it up what you need. You've heard it's been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemies. Boy, you ever had surgery and had to go to rehab and break up the scar tissue? 
My Lord in heaven. Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemies. Look at the next one. Is it better back here? Look at verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. If you really want to be forgiven, this is what you need to do. I looked up the scriptures in John chapter 12, verse 13, and I came across Luke 23, 21. Six days apart, this is what happened to Jesus. John 12, 13, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Six days later, crucify him, crucify him. John 13, 21, one of you will betray me. John 19, the Roman soldiers gambled over his garments and his clothes while he hung up on the cross. Matthew 27, the crowd blasphemed him, the religious leaders mocked him, and the thief reviled him. That word revile means to speak abusively, to insult someone, or speak words that are cruel and vile. In other words, it's ver verbal abuse. Of all the things that was happening to Jesus and in front of him, and his body being traumatically shocked and beaten beyond the recognition of any man, in Matthew 26, he could react and call 12 legions of angels. But instead, he fulfilled, watch this now, he fulfilled Isaiah 53, 12, when he said, he bore the sins of many and made intercessions for the transgressors. Luke 23, 34, I'm almost done. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I looked this up and about a month and a half ago, this really hit me different. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. One is, Father, for release them. The other one is, Father, do not hold this against them. But the third one is when I realized I was always associating his death to the people that were around him and their sins. But then the Lord said, it was your sin that I died to. You might have not been born yet, but I was providing you to be born. It means as in releasing a prisoner or setting someone free from an act they carried out. A decision to not hold something against someone, but to liberate a person from the consequences of their actions. One more. Can you please put up Matthew 18 and we'll close with this. While you're, while you're putting that one up, I want to just say this to you. When I was praying over the last couple of years about this message, because I knew I did not just have to believe God from my heart and learn to give as a purpose in my heart and confess from my heart. I had to forgive from my heart. Because no matter how pure the seed or who sowed it into my heart, I had to make sure that the soil of my heart was pure and clean. I had to make sure the water that I spoke, the words to water the soil, the seed, was pure. Because all I was doing was on the merry-go-round. I was defeating the purpose. I thought I had to study more on faith. I let certain things slip. No, what I did was I let certain things get in. It was the little foxes. But one thing the Lord showed me was this. And we'll read Matthew 18 and we'll close. I don't know how to describe this. It wasn't an open vision. But when I looked down, I knew John was on the right and Mary was on the left. I just knew it. I looked out. I could tell who was a soldier, who was a spectator. I could tell the Pharisees. They were over on the left. I don't know why. I just, it was a knowing. But I could feel that I was having a hard time breathing. I'm not saying I was like Jesus. I knew my body was traumatized. I felt a heaviness over my body. 
And I realized it was like real thick, dried mud. And then it hit me. It was the blood that was dried from the body of Jesus. My head was so swollen, it felt like. I had the sensation that there were spikes inside of my head. It was just poking. And then it dawned on me. That was the swelling that engrafted the thorns. And he was beaten beyond the recognition of any man. And the Lord answered a question one day I had that I might have forgot. And I said, God, do you know where I'm at in my life? I know you hear me, but I need to hear from you. And all he said was this. He said he looked down to Mary and John and said, John, I'm just paraphrasing. Take care of my mother. And this is all he said to me. He said, son, if I'm hanging between heaven and earth, ready to be made sin, beaten beyond the recognition of any man, and I can take care of the details of my mother's life, you can guarantee it, being at the right hand of the Father, I can take care of the details of your life. I was, I was free. I was free that day because I knew how much he loved me while he was on the cross Matthew 18 21 we'll close with this I hope you're all getting something out of this I'm going a totally different way today but it feels good then Peter came up to him and said Lord how many times have my brother sinned against me and I forgive him and let it go as many up to seven times Jesus answered and said to him I tell you not up to seven times but seventy times seven therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a human king who wished to settle accounts with these attendants verse 24 and he began the accounting. One was brought to him that owed him about 10,000 talents, which was $10 million. There's different accounts, says it's different amounts, but we'll stick with this. And he, be, he could not pay. His master ordered him to be sold, his wife and his children, everything he owned to be possessed, and payment to be made. So the attendant fell down on his knees, begging him, saying, Have patience with me. I'll pay you everything. And his master's heart was moved with compassion. His heart was moved with what? Compassion. And he released and forgave him canceling the debt how did he do it verbally he said I release you the king's word was law he could not go back it was written it's done that debt is canceled 10 million dollars verse 28 the same attendant went down and fell now watch this he went out and found one of his fellow attendants he just was forgiven 10 million dollars went out and found someone that owed him a 20 dollars caught him by the throat said pay me what you owe so the fellow attendant fell down and begged him earnestly he said give me time and I'll pay you all. But he was unwilling. He went out and put him into prison till he should pay the debt. What debt? $20. What was he forgiven of? $10 million. Verse 31. When his fellow attendants saw what had happened, they told, they were greatly distressed. They went out and told everything to their master about what the red sweatshirt did and the white clothes in hot water. Then his master called him and said, You can tip on a wicked servant. I forgave. I forgave. And canceled all that great debt of yours because you begged me. What debt? Ten million dollars. And should you had not pity and mercy on your fellow attendant as I had pity and mercy on you. In the wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers, the jailers, till he should pay all that he owed. He doesn't owe ten million dollars anymore. He said, I canceled that debt. He was a prisoner in his own life. The key was in his tongue. His tongue was the only thing that was going to fix that lock to get him out. And he had to forgive him so he could be forgiven. When you release someone else, you're released. 
You won't need the caffeine. You won't need the vacations. You won't need all this. All of a sudden, health and healing comes to all your flesh. Well springs of living water will come out of you. He will change you from the inside out. So what happened? Verse 35, last verse. So my heavenly Father will deal with every one of you. Put your name in there. If you do not freely forgive your brother from your heart, forgive your brother, your brother from your heart, his offenses. Did you all hear that? Forgive your brother from your heart, his offense. I'll say this in closing. Jesus paid a $10 million debt and forgave you on a cross. Why are you going out and hold some $20 debt against somebody when it compares to $10 million you were forgiven of? Jesus died to something that you don't have to live with and he went somewhere you don't have to go. Get rid of the excuses. Look in the mirror. Pull your own bootstraps up. Keep your heart with all diligence and start to live the life that he paid in full so you can have the fullness of what he paid for. Because I'm telling you right now, folks, as a living witness, people go, are you free from these things? Yeah, but there's times I have to go back and write different names back on the list. Because why? I'm keeping my heart with all diligence. Some of you need to come up right now and repent. Bow at your seats. Some of you need to do it. I don't care the position of your body. God's looking at the position of your heart. Come on. You've been playing for church so long, you've learned a system you don't even think about it anymore because it becomes rut living. You think you have a form of godliness, but you've actually denied the power thereof because God says, I come to give you life and that you might enjoy it to the full till it overflows because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. How do we do that? We truly forgive from our heart. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.